Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, in this episode, I team up with special guest Carl Burrows, a serial entrepreneur with more than 20 years of experience in the dental industry. This episode is a must for buyers and sellers in the health and dental sectors alike. This captivating conversation showcases Carl's expertise and passion for the dental sector, and it provides insights that will leave you inspired and eager for more. Fasten your seatbelts, get ready for an insightful episode with Carl. Carl, welcome along to the Deal Room Podcast. Thank you very much for having me again, Joanna. It's an absolute pleasure to see you. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show, Carl. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, okay, so today we're talking about earnouts in dental practice sales, um, and you have so many um, examples and, and so much insight into this industry, I think. So uh, I really i am looking forward to digging into this, but I think it would be really useful for our listeners um, who haven't heard the other episodes um, that we have um, recorded together to give them a little bit of insight of, into your background. You know, your involvement in the dental industry is so varied. I just think it's really useful if you give us just a really s- s- quick I'll, snapshot. I'll make it, I'll make it snappy. I'll, I'll make it, I'll make it snappy. <laughs> yeah. Um, been in dentistry for 22 years, uh, fell into it um, by accident and got involved in, in marketing, uh, re- still involved in marketing. That's been the mainstay and that's kind of opened the doors for everything else. Started a dental corporation 16 years ago that was called Dental Partners, um, now renamed Maven. And today, I'm not only do I do the marketing, but I uh, head up a Ray White franchise that is dedicated to the sale of dental practices. Absolutely fabulous. Wonderful. Well, look, today we're talking particularly about earnouts in dental practice sales. And, you, you know, I find earnouts are one of those areas that um, are, are completely not understood by uh, dental practice owners as they gear into sale, you, you know, they um, meet a pool of buyers and then they get concerned when one of the offers or indeed perhaps all of the offers contain um, earnouts within them. So I thought it'd be good if today we talked a little bit about them. We normalize them from the perspective of, you know, so, so our sellers understand that they can be a normal part of a sale, but also some tips and tricks along the way. So what is it that you, I, I, I mean, I'll start out by a comment. I, I think one of the things from my perspective, and I'd love to hear your perspective. One of, one of the things from my perspective is, um, Sellers shouldn't be concerned uh, about the concept of earnouts as a whole. If you're striking earnouts out entirely um, from what you're prepared to accept in a deal, you're going to be cutting out um, a huge part of the potential buyer pool. What's your thoughts on that, Carl? Absolutely. And the concept of an earnout uh, is absolutely fair and rational. If you've agreed that you're going to be hanging around for two years, three years or more, 
then having a contractual uh, and financial element to that is very fair and reasonable. The caveat um, is depends who you're dealing with. So it's you've you've um, you've picked a very uh, interesting topic because uh, there's very much is the the good, the bad, and the ugly with this particular. And I'm sure you've seen many of these transactions as well. Um, the actual concept, very fair and reasonable. I think the, the bottom line is um, who's on the other side and who you're dealing with. Mm. And let's, in, in that sense, then perhaps it makes sense to, to break this into two. Let's talk about um, selling to a corporate and then selling pr- to a private buyer. So let's maybe separate those two out. Let's start first with selling to a private buyer. What are some of the things? Actually, before we do that, what are some of the differences that you see in that buyer pool in the way that a private buyer will behave when they're thinking about an earnout versus a corporate? So um, uh, the earnout is probably um, less prevalent with private uh, sales. Um, I think the the buyer may not necessarily be um, aware of them. You know, often they're not quite so uh, ruthless in their negotiations. Uh, so it's often a softer transaction. And I'm not necessarily saying that they they shouldn't, but I, I don't see too many where the uh, conditions are onerous. Um, and sometimes it's a relatively modest figure involved as well. And uh, I haven't seen too many of them go bad over the years. I've certain, certainly seen a couple that have gone bad um, where the, uh, the seller has missed out because they haven't, uh, they haven't got the additional payments at the end of the earn-out period. But it's, it's not widespread in my experience. I think most of those transactions uh, go quite well. Well, then on the flip side, corporate buyers, what's the, you know, what, what's your experience? Well, that's, that's, what are you seeing there? Yeah, well, that's a, a complete mixed bag. And, and you know, before we go and talk about maybe some of the disasters in, in corporate dentistry, there's been plenty that haven't been. So there's been there's been some good transactions where there's been an earn-out period. Um, you know, dental partners, um, sorry, dental corporation, who started the same time we started dental partners, uh, very much had that model. And most of those transactions uh, went in the favour of the the seller. And in fact, quite a number of those dentists were given the opportunity to sign up for another earnout, even though they've been fully paid. At the end of that period of time, they were given another bonus if they stayed another two years or three years. Um, so most of those people uh, ended up with a you know a very good transaction. Um, since then, there's been a number of uh, other corporates uh, that have, have been formed. Uh, some of them have uh, claimed a, you know, virtual equity situation, which is almost like a, an earnout in in effect, where, you, where you've got a delayed payment, um, you know, and, and some of those payments never got made, and some of those organisations don't exist anymore. So, it's you know, you've got to look beyond uh, the sales pitch, um, you know, and corporate dentistry is actually you know rationalising again at the moment. I don't know if you knew, but uh, Bupera wanting to pull out of Australia and sell their clinics. Another group called Akira uh, are actually openly on the market. Um, so there's going to be another round of changes in, in, that, um, in that particular pool. Mm. And, that's a, and that's an interesting comment. I know we're talking about earnouts, but interesting talking about the state of the market as well. What, what do you think the impact of these um, changes in the market right now are on your average seller? 
It's it's really difficult to understand what may happen. The I think the opportunity um, that is current at the moment is there's a real lack of dentists and there's a real lack of dental staff. Uh, I, I don't fully understand why, because we're, before we went into COVID, everybody was saying there's far too many dentists and people were having to work three jobs, and now it seems to be impossible to recruit a dentist. I think with the instability of knowing that your place of work is for sale, um, and that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, practices in just those two, and then there's other corporations who are muted to wanting to 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 sell as well. It may encourage um, you know, more movement, and that may be good for private dental practice owners because they may suddenly have a bit more choice when they they put an advert in for a dentist or a DA or a receptionist or a practice manager. So I think that could be one of the positives. Um, a little bit of instability might get people moving a bit more. In terms of how it will affect uh, the private practice owner in other ways, I don't think it will. Um, you know, the the success of a individual dental practice is very localized. It's very much based on what you do within that practice yourself, uh, your own sweat equity, you know, all the things that you, you do. And, and again, you see... Um, practices going ballistically well where they have a lot of competition because they do the right things and you see practices failing where they have no competition because they don't do the right things. So I think the practice owner is is very much in the driving seat when it comes to their personal success and I don't really think that um, any more changes in the corporate environment is going to really um, really affect them a great deal. I think the one big takeaway uh, from all the corporate dental groups is uh, the public don't care about the the brand above the door um, you know, a lot of those dental corporates have uh, sort of compared themselves to spec savers they say oh we'll be the spec savers of dentistry and but we know I mean you both you and I wear glasses we know that there's nothing relationship building about going to the optometrist uh, you know machine does most of the work it's not scary uh, but we do care about who does our dentistry so I think that branding is uh, far less important than uh, the corporates realised. Mm. It's a fascinating comment. Yeah, it really is. And interesting to talk about what's happening in the market. But, of course, we're talking about earnouts. Let's, I, I shouldn't forget this. We must come back to earnouts. So maybe let, let's give some tips and tricks to our listeners. And, and I do think that first one to reiterate is, and do you know what? We haven't even talked about er, what earnouts are. So for anyone who is listening and who doesn't know what we're talking about when we're talking about an earnout, what we're talking about here is a component of the sale price that is paid um, at a period of time, usually 12 months, um, two years or three years after completion of the sale, but where that post-completion payment is based on the performance of the practice when it's in the hands of the um, buyer or the new owner. Um, and, and you, you know, the reasons for a buyer, and Carl, you said, uh, right in the beginning, there's many rational reasons for buyers to want a component of, uh, and the, the purchase price being an earnout. And, and that really is because there is this risk in taking over a, a business like a dental practice that the, that the value that they're buying, which is, you know, staffing, but also the client base, you know, the patients, um, won't won't last post transition so that's it's it's a 
you, you know, a way of sharing risk, I guess, between the buyer and the seller. Absolutely. And particularly in the current marketplace where it's very, very hard to recruit uh, dentists. So if you're selling your practice and you said to the buyer that you will be there uh, for the next three years, then as I say, it's very reasonable to have a financial component to that so you don't walk out the door the day after. And so if that if that buyer knows they've got three years to replace you, three years to get to know the patient base, three years to to um, you know transition from the the seller to the buyer, then that's a very good transaction for for hopefully for both parties. Certainly for the buyer, it gives them a, a dentist who is well known, and it gives them that that brand loyalty to that dentist. Um, and then obviously for the seller, depending on what stage of life they are, um, if they've thought about it you know, um, early enough, then that could actually work for them. Um, you know, a friend of mine uh, where I live locally sold his practice and continued to stay uh, in the practice for three years and was very delighted with the transaction. And, and, and I remember him ringing me up and saying, I've had a pay rise. I've never earned so much money in, in my life because he got paid as a dentist would normally get paid, where before he was just, you know, taking whatever was left in the till. And so, you know, so things like that can, can happen. So the, the concept is, um, is, is absolutely fine and reasonable. Then it really is down to, um, down to the, the, the parties involved. Uh, the, the first piece of advice I would say to anybody, uh, going into this, this type of transaction is make sure you've got a very good lawyer. Um, make sure that, that you, no, but it, it's so important. Um, and, you know, and if we talk about the, the corporate transaction separately, even more important. Um, what people don't understand with the corporate earnout is if the corporation asks you to commit to time, that's perfectly reasonable. But let's say they ask you to commit to other things, so like a certain level of production. That can be very much taken out of your hands. So let's say the corporation rebrands, as many have, and your customers don't like the new branding and don't associate with that. Well, suddenly to expect you to continue at the same, the same level, but then you've fundamentally changed something. Maybe there's an absolutely onerous head office um, that upset all the staff. I've seen this happen. HR hasn't been handled correctly. Things change. You can't buy the birthday cake any longer. You know, so the, the, and then your staff leave. And if your staff leave, that can affect the patient. The patient can be equally as um, uh, concerned when uh, a nurse they've got to know over many years leaves as when their dentist leaves. Uh, it can have a profound impact. So if that contract uh, in a corporate situation um, is expecting you to continue doing certain things, um, you also need to make sure that contract says that that is only fair and reasonable if the corporation doesn't change other aspects. And the other aspects are really you know, branding, marketing, special offers, uh, HR, all things that can fundamentally affect your ability to actually fulfill your contract. And the way um, the way I um, look at this from a legal perspective, and that we look at it here at Aspect Legal, is sort of breaking down these um, elements where there are earnouts in relation to what controls you have as a seller um, in relation to protecting the business, it, it, the business's ability to um, perform in a way that 
will drive the earnout, and that's both a mixture of these things that you're talking about in terms of the control of the behaviour of the organisation, but on the on a separate note, it's also about the way in which the calculation of the earnout comes out, which can become quite technical, but really important um, for the um, uh, for for these dental practice owners to understand. So, for example, because quite often there's terminology that I find. Um, isn't, you know, dental practice owners aren't generally across, aren't using in day to day, you know, their day to day, um, uh, you know, uh, operation of their business, like focusing on a bit and what, what is, um, incorporated in the calculation of the accounts and the earnout accounts. And a bit to just, you know, to make it clear, you, you can have earnouts that relate to, the revenue of the business, or you can have earnouts that relate to the profit of the business and the profit, the terminology uses a bit there. But I often find also a lot of work needs to be done in terms of what expenses you will allow to be included there because you don't want the buyers to load up the accounts with a whole heap of expenses because you have that differing uh, you have that differing perspective of a seller who's in an earnout versus a buyer. The buyer is want to, wanting to invest in growth in the business because their their ultimate um, requirement of of um, an acquisition is to grow it. But in order to do that, they often have to invest. Whereas when you're a seller. You don't really care about that investment in growth. You just want, you know, the profit to be maximised to hit your target. So I think it's those sorts of things, getting your head around those sorts of things as well. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, um, you know, I've seen it where the, uh, you know, onerous head office costs are being put back to the individual practice. Well, suddenly you've got a cost now that you didn't have before you went into the transaction and usually, uh, the way the, the contracts are structured, there's really very little you can do about that other than argue. And, um, and then that doesn't create for a great working relationship. So you're already on the slippery slope. Um, you know, it's, it, I think with the, say, with the, with the private sale, uh, it's, it's far safer than with some of the corporations. Um, the other, the other caveat is, uh, maybe you're happy with the amount that you've got without the earnout as well. So sometimes the corporations are paying a premium for a practice, and I've seen that before where the initial payment is probably the same as you would have got from a private buyer. So then your risk factor is minimised and, and then it's just more down to disappointment if you don't get the second payment. Yeah, really good point. Yeah, it is a good point um, as well, you know, and um, and it's a good point in relation to the way in which the structure is set up for the component, how much, what percentage are you getting as the upfront versus what percentage sits in that burnout? Um, and indeed, what are your own restrictions? You know, are they, uh, are they required to continue, um, to be involved in the practice as a dentist for a particular period of time? Because I know there, you know, Quite often in these sort of situations, uh, business owners, once they've sold, they, uh, you know, it's hard for them to keep mentally <laughs> connected to the business, particularly under new ownership. Yes. And with, with things that maybe they weren't required to do, uh, you know, some of the corporations can put huge amount of admin back into the, into the practice that wasn't there before. And that can become, you know, highly frustrating just doing reports and pushing paper all the time. So, so culturally, you know, you've got to be careful that you're moving into, uh, sounds like we're having a go at the corporates. They're not all bad. 
Um, but uh, there, there's certainly uh, you know ones, better ones and worse ones within that within that sector. But I guess the the point is about surrounding yourself by people who understand the differences between the good and the bad. The people who understand the differences, and also understanding your own as a seller, your own motivation, and and maybe maybe pondering on that somewhat as well. You know, if the if the sale is uh, purely driven by greed and getting the very best price, well, you've probably got to understand that that comes with uh, some risk as well. If the sale is driven by you know getting a good price but making sure that your patients have been treated uh, the way that you've treated them for the last twenty or thirty years, then that's probably going to point you more into a, into a private sale. Uh, it's probably going to be a, a you know a happier transaction that you you feel good about. Yeah. Yeah. Look, brilliant points. Um, and I'm sure this will be a very valuable uh, snapshot into this area of what to think about uh, as a dental practice owner, moving into thinking about the exit of your practice. Carl, um, for all of our listeners who are interested in um, finding out more about how they get themselves ready for sale and get themselves to the market, how do they contact you? But they can contact me by email, and uh, which you, is just simply carl.burrows at raywhite.com uh, on my mobile, which is 0416190000. What I would say is uh, start early. If you're thinking that uh, you may want to either sell your practice or retire in three, four, five years, start today. Uh, because the longer you have to plan, uh, the longer you have to to work out your strategy, the better transaction you will get. So even if you think it's you know down the track, um, when it's a rush um, and when it's done in a hurry, generally uh, you, the, the transaction doesn't go as well. Absolutely love it. Really wise words, Carl. Um, and of course, we will put all of those links in the show notes. So if you're running along the beach right now, listening to this, half your luck. Uh, if you're in the commute to work, don't worry, you'll get there soon, I'm sure. Um, but you'll, uh, you, you'll be able to access all of this in the show notes. So, um, don't have a crash on the way. Carl, fabulous. Um, as always, absolutely fabulous to have the, you on the podcast. Thank you for being a guest of the Dear Room podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for this episode of the Deal Room Podcast. We hope you're now primed for your next deal with these pointers and have enjoyed these fascinating insights. Now, if you'd like more information about this topic, then head over to our website at the Deal Room Podcast. Com, where you'll be able to download a transcript of this episode, as well as access any contact details and any other additional information we referred to in today's podcast. Now, if you'd like to get in contact with our guests today and the services they offer, you can go ahead and check out our show notes for a link right through to them and their details. You can also book in directly with our legal legals at Aspect Legal. If you'd like to soundboard your next steps, discuss a legal question, or find out more how we can assist, whether that's with buying or selling a business, or perhaps somewhere in between. Now, don't forget to subscribe to The Deal Room Podcast on your favorite podcast player to get notifications whenever a new episode is out. We'd also love to hear your feedback, so please leave us a review and rating if you're already one of our subscribers or even if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time. Every review helps our team produce valuable content for you. Well, thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal.
See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. 